0: Good afternoon. Let's see, in my garage I have plaques that I sometimes make and hang on the garage wall, different sayings, I change them around a little bit, sort of encourage me or offer correction or just strength for the day, but I have one now that I'm going to put up there and it's going to say, doing nothing is as bad as doing everything wrong. Uh, Thank you, Corey, for that message, that was really... uh, encouraging for me, um, because it's, it's a lot of truth to that, <clears throat> so I'll have something to look at. <laughs> oh, also, just a reminder, next Sabbath, uh, Freddie Carroll will be here to speak to us, so looking forward to that. We're going to switch out a little bit, maybe I'll go down there and he'll come up here and change the uh, speakers around a little bit. I've been wanting to do that for years now, but just never got around to it. The subject I want to talk about today is the subject of healing, and the reason is it's important to us all. If I asked the question, how many of you know someone who is sick? Probably every hand would go up in this small congregation. And you know, the idea of healing is to restore to a state of normalcy or health. I mean, that's that's what a person wants when you're sick, to be restored, completely healed. And for that reason, I think it's one of the most important subjects that we could talk about. Now, there's a passage where, uh, in the Matthew 14, and verse 35, you don't have to turn there, but it says, when the men of that place had knowledge of him, and that's the knowledge of Jesus, they sent out into all that country round about and brought into him all that were diseased and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched were made perfectly whole. I like that word, perfectly whole. Those that touch the hem of Christ's garment to restore to a state of normalcy or health. And, you know, I was looking at figuring this up. I've, I've been in the ministry now for 24 years. Uh, I didn't realize where has 24 years gone, but, and I didn't realize it had been that long. I want to share some of my experiences about this subject of of Healing and some of the things that maybe I've learned or just different experiences I want to share with you in starting out. One of the first important passages passage in the Bible is James 5 and verse 14. tells us what to do if we're sick. Instruction, I mean, if we're going to talk about, okay, healing, let's start with the Bible, the instruction book. What does the Bible say to do if you're sick? James 5 and verse 14 says, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. That's James 5 and verse 14. Now that's a loaded scripture, by the way. I once was doing a job and uh, a man had Lou Gehrig's disease. And I, I said, have you, have you been anointed? And uh, he said, ah, anointing. I said, no, nah, I got the church praying for me. I got people praying for me. But he didn't feel that anointing was important. But I knew what this Bible, what the Scripture said about anointing, and I asked him, have you been anointed? But he didn't feel that that was important at all. The unwillingness to follow the Scriptures when it comes to this subject is, is unreal. It really is. You know, I think of the story of Naaman, uh, Elisha. You know, he wanted to be healed, and Elisha sent out a messenger. Boy, and said, "Go wash in the Jordan River seven times." And I've often wondered, what would it happen if if he'd have dipped himself one time and quit? Said, or three times. Three is enough. Uh, Four, five, okay, that's it. Six and no more. I'm only going to dip myself six times. But you know, the seventh time he come up whole. And what I get from that is, when the Bible says to do something, it it means what it says. It says, "Okay, dip yourself seven times." If you want to be healed, go to the elders of the church, anoint with oil. That's how you do it. But again, I, at least in the church, I've been amazed at the people that don't ask for anointing. You know, I'll know about somebody, a brethren or somebody that's in the church that's sick. And it seems to me they, they don't bother to even ask to be anointed. And so we see this scripture. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. And let them pray over him, anointing him of all in the name of the Lord. Now, I, the reason you need a church is pretty obvious here. Um, you can't anoint yourself. You can't lay hands on yourself for the, for, at baptism for the receiving of the Holy Spirit. You can't do that yourself. I once had a guy that called me and he was listening to the subjects of laying on of hands for the receiving of the Holy Spirit. After you're baptized, we lay hands on you and ask God to give you a portion of his Holy Spirit. And God's Spirit unites with the Spirit in man, and a new creature starts to develop. And he asked me, he said, well, me and my wife, can we lay hands on one another? You know, we've been baptized, and can we lay hands on one another for this? And I, and I said, no, that's that's part of, that's one of the reasons you call for the elders of the church. There's a reason for the church. I mean, there's a reason for this organizing, you know, this organization, this entity called the church. And it says to call for the elders of the church to do this. And so this man, uh, he was a man last year, I went down to do just that, laid hands on him for the receiving of the Spirit of God, him and his wife. And he agreed to do that, and, uh, which I thought was good. And it says, anyway, in James 5 and verse 15, And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up, and if he has committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. What the recipient needs to understand is this. When you are asked to be anointed, is the sin issue, the sin issue is going to be cleared, forgiven. Don't overlook that. I mean, that's, you know, so often we, okay, I want to be healed. I want to be healed. I want to be healed. But this, this, there's another issue that's going on here. And that is, whatever sin, or that's going to be cleared. Uh, when, I, when I've been anointed, I always ask the, the, the question, you know, I consider the sin issue. Is, is there some type of, do I have some type of sin here? Is there an issue of correction here when I'm anointed? Is there something God's trying to show me when I'm sick? Now, I ask these questions, and I, I, I think about that sin issue when I go to be anointed, by the elders. And I think it's important not to have that hanging over your head. To know that, that you are forgiven at that moment. Uh, God is not hanging this over my head. You know, I've got these things that I did. I think it's, it's important to know that's clear. You're, clear. you're clean. You're clear. You know, not only are you asking for forgiveness, but your sins are going to be forgiven you. I sometimes, you know, in other words, forgiveness and healing, you, you cannot separate the two. Many times Jesus would say, you know, a person wanted to be healed. And Jesus would say, your sins are are forgiven. And it got him in trouble, nearly got him killed. Because they thought, well, he's blaspheming, you know, the the father. You know, the two are inseparable. Forgiveness and healing. I sometimes think people want healing but cannot relate to the need to be forgiven. And maybe that's the reason they don't ask to be anointed. I don't know. Just thinking out loud. Okay, call for the elders of the church. Now, when we do this, I just want to explain this because I don't always see it in every church uh, environment or organization, Church of God. But what we do is um, we'll get several elders here. We'll get Greg and, and uh, Mike and, and myself and, and, and uh, Sandy. And as we're, we're anointing them, we'll, each one will say a prayer for this person. And I sort of feel that's important um, to do that. In fact, I'd like that the more the better for me. I mean, the more elders I could get, you know, it would be better for me. Uh, (laughs) Because you don't know who may have the gift of healing. You know, you don't know. You really don't know. God may grant that gift at that particular moment to that one person over here. And then he may never, he may... You know, it may not happen again. I mean, I don't know. It doesn't la- We find Paul had the gift of healing, and then we find, find that he left, I forget what his name was, sick, a, a person sick. And so just because you have the gift of healing doesn't mean you're always going to have it. It can fluctuate. It may be given to this person, that person. So I, I would like to have all kinds of elders praying for me and saying, a pr- not just one person saying a prayer, but each person saying, laying on of hands and saying that prayer because I want all the help I can get, you know, from God. I know uh, in the years that I've been serving, we used to have anointing sessions at the feast. Man, all kinds of people would come by and want to be anointed during the feast. And, you know, people sometimes would come back and tell me, well, I, you know, I, I prayed you know, for their back, and they said, my back, better now. And it's always good to hear that, you know, my, I'm feeling totally better. And then, of course, I think of something Jesus said, he asked the question, he said, "Were well, there not ten cleansed, but, you know, where are the other nine? And the other nine didn't bother to come back and tell me anything, you know. they. they don't. So you never know. I mean, maybe maybe people are like that. Maybe they don't tell you when they've been healed and don't bother to tell you, but it's always good to know. So when I think, if I were to try to give you a ratio of, during those 24 years, out of 100% of people that I've anointed, I might say that less than 10% were healed. Just just off the top of my head, head trying to give you some type of a ratio of, of, you know, that may not be absolutely accurate, but, you know, I've, healed, I've anointed people with brain tumors, and they, they passed away, they died. I've anointed people in an intensive care where the wife was wanting the husband to recover, you know, and they, they passed away. I've, uh, we anointed my mother. You know, she she basically in a sense lost her mind and and I can't tell you why God didn't heal her. And and you know, I know that scripture, all things work together for good. I can't tell you what the good was and in, in, in that her not being healed. I can I honestly cannot tell you what the good was. But there is a song that we sing, you know, further along we'll know and I think there are some things that you will not know until Christ returns and you ask him, Why didn't you heal my mother? Why, why did she go ha- have to go through that? Why did we have to experience that? You know, I, but eventually we will know. God will give you the answer. You know, I want everyone to be healed. I want every person I anoint to be healed. There's a woman at the feast this year that was anointed. She has cancer. A lot of people are praying for that woman. I mean, it's on Facebook. It's uh, emails going out. A lot of people praying for her. And, you know, the Bible tells us the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That's James 5 and verse 16. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man is, is very well uh, availeth much. You know, there have been times that I did something that I knew was wrong. The Bible calls it sin. Uh, <laughs> and then I get that call. I get that email. so and so sick. Desperation, pray for this person. And I think, man, I, I don't feel very righteous at this moment. Not at all. But stuff happens. It happens. And then there's a scripture, just thoughts and ideas about healing in John 5 and verse 3. Sort of a strange story. And, you know, in these lay a great multitude of impotent folks and blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water whosoever then first there was in first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatever disease he had you know the story you know the story you know I it's all as I read that it's almost healing like a game of chance you know the first man down he got healed I don't I don't get it I don't understand it but you know just I'm just sharing my experience and, and my thoughts about this don't don't you know I don't have all the answers I don't have all the solutions. I don't know everything about why, why God heals some and why he doesn't heal others. I've anointed people outside the church, several people. There are some people who would disagree with that, who would say, well, that's the reason they weren't healed, because, you, you know, of course they're not going to be healed. But, but I've anointed many people outside of our faith, outside of our belief system that didn't even resemble anything that we believed, and I've anointed many people outside of our faith. You know Jesus. Every person he healed was probably outside the church. Come to think about it, you know, it probably. Uh, so, <clears throat> I've experienced healing in my own life. I, I've, um, one time, I had Sandy to pray for me, and as Sandy was speaking the words, I felt something happening in my body as he was saying the prayer. And I told him about that later, and Sandy said, "Well, that's what I expect." <laughs> <laughs> I know God can seem to heal through a fake, and it has nothing to do with the fake, but the faith of the individual. You know, you see some of these guys in you know, like a Benny Hinn or knocking people around and knocking people over. You know, that's one of the. If you want to heal somebody, just knock them over. It sort of, <laughs> it works, I guess. Just knock them up. Make sure they fall down, but knock them over. But it it has nothing to do with. It, it's the faith, if you want a movie that illustrates that, it's Leap of Faith, where Steve Martin plays a television evangelist. And there's this boy that has incredible faith that comes to him wanting to be healed. And, and he says to Steve, he, he, he says, Do you, so you're saying you think you're a fake? And Steve Martin says, I know I'm a fake. <laughs> and, uh, but in the movie, the boy comes to Jesus. Well, yeah, Steve Martin's, You know, he's up there parading around. He's a whatever. I don't know what he is, but he's uh, parading around. But he, could, but the boy come because of his faith. He's healed. Had nothing to do with the, the individual up there parading around. It was, and it, it, it was a great movie in the sense. I don't normally compliment Hollywood, but in that case, it got it right. That God can heal. And it has really nothing to do with this this lunatic running around. You know, claiming to heal. But it's because of the individual's faith in Jesus that Jesus can heal me. In spite of that idiot, God can heal. I also know that Satan can cause sickness. In Job it says, So, so went Satan from the, forth, from the presence of the Lord and smote Job of so, uh, balls from the sole of his foot unto his crown. I know Satan can cause sickness, which is another concept uh, and I often wonder if, if it's, when that happens, if it's for the purpose of distraction, of to keep you from being productive. Distraction keeping you from being productive. So I want to share some of my experiences and thoughts about healing, but I want to introduce another concept to healing. Because the more we know and understand about healing, maybe the better the results we can get. I want to look at healing sort of like a toolbox entitled Healing. It's a toolbox, and I've touched on some ideas and concepts in here about maybe tools in that toolbox that we have, certain knowledge that we have and understanding about healing. But I want to put another tool in there, and you may disagree with this concept, but I'll try to prove you wrong. Uh, <laughs> it's a, what I call a bargaining tool. Uh, I'm going to call it a pry bar. You're going to place a pry bar in your toolbox. Now, I use pry bars a lot in, my, in our business. And I know a lot of people would say, well, you can't bargain with God, you know, especially healing. But, you know, I I see people bargaining with God throughout the entirety of the Bible. I mean, you just every time, you know, Lord, if there be 50, if there be 40, if there be 30, 20, 10 righteous people. And uh, you you have people bargaining with God all the time. Then, of course, you have the scripture in Luke. Uh, You don't have to turn there. Luke 11 verse 8 Says he may not get up and give you the bread just because you are a friend, but he will get up and give you as much as as much bread as you need, simply because you are not ashamed to keep on asking. It's almost like you can bug God, you know, you can bug him to death, you know. And 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 there's another tool you can put in your toolbox: perseverance. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit asking. But I want you to consider this 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 one tool. I want you to put in your 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 toolbox. Romans, let's turn to Romans 12 and verse 1. to try to tie two things in here together that really hit me recently. Two concepts, Romans 12 and verse 1. I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. This was brought to my attention at at a at a seminar this year at the feast. It tells us to offer your body Strange, it doesn't say offer your mind, your spirit, your emotions. It says offer your body. What, what is your body? You know, when you get home, don't tell me you've done this, though, but when you get home tonight, <coughs> strip down butt naked and look at yourself in a full-length mirror. What you will be seeing is your body, which houses your spirit, your, your emotions, your, you know. Now, and when you do that, do you like what you see? Is it healthy is another question. Is it healthy what you see? That's your body. And your Bible says, offer your body, the temple of God, a living sacrifice. Now, this is not rocket science. You know, there's basically three things. If you want to be healthy, stay healthy. Number one, eat a healthy diet. Number two, exercise. Number three, get plenty of sleep. I'm good at that last one, by the way. (laughs) Uh, But uh, this is not complicated. This is not, but there are three things that people, most people are lacking in. They are eating a healthy diet, exercising, and getting plenty of sleep. it's three areas. Now, this has to do with your body. Offer your body a living sacrifice. If you don't have a healthy body, you can't serve God the way he desires to be served. Now, that's a fascinating concept. Let me me repeat it. If you don't have a healthy body, and I, I know this when I get sickly. My work that I do just stops when I'm sick. You know, outreach, all of it, just swoop, it's in. If you don't have a healthy body, you can't serve God the way he desires to be served. Rule number one, first thing you do when you get up. What's the first thing you do when you get up? You You know, I think, okay, some people say, and I'm not saying any of these things are wrong, but sometimes we do need to prioritize certain things. Okay, the first thing, I read my Bible, prayer meditate not that those things are bad but let me explain you my morning when I get up I get up about five o'clock in the morning and I sit on my butt for three hours in my office and I may be answering emails I may be writing letters I may be putting packages together to send out I may be working on videos I am uploading videos to YouTube Facebook I'm doing a lot of work in those two or three hours uh in the morning I call it doing the Lord's work but uh I tell you where I sl- I'm slacking. Present your body a living sacrifice, you know. Because if you don't have your health, you don't have anything. You don't have anything. How important is health to God? How important is diet to God? You know, what you eat. I mean, you know, I went to the grocery store Kroger. and I went to the fruits and vegetable area, and I was looking. and I, I, It was like, it was beautiful. I mean... It, the mist started to miss the fruits, and, and there's a thunderstorm playing. They have sound at this place. You know, and I'm looking, at I'm thinking, look at the orange and, and yellows and, and all the different colors, are just beautiful. However, if you're the type of person, you think, I don't have time for that to prepare anything, I'm going to go to the, um, what do you call it, TV dinners, because it's easy. I can pop it in the microwave and cook it, and, and you know, and it's all about you're in a rush. You, you you don't have time to eat healthy, to offer your body a living sacrifice. You know, you're destroying your health. You're killing yourself if, if you're doing that. Exercise, you know. Um, again, how important is It's critical exercise. Absolutely critical. And you, you will not be healthy without it, is the bottom line. You will not be healthy without exercise. You know, how how concerned is God about you're, you exercising, how, how concerned is God about maybe being overweight? You know, I could lose 15 pounds. I need to lose... I got belly fat, or, you know, probably too much beer or whatever. I don't know. But, uh... <laughs> but, uh, you know, I could lose 15 pounds easily. But I got to thinking about this. You know, weight is something that sneaks up on you. It doesn't... You don't wake up 50 pounds fat. Okay. <laughs> now... <clears throat> If I were to put on, if I had a jacket up here that weighed 50 pounds and I put it on right now and I worked all day long carrying this 50 pounds of weight on, at the end of the day, my joints, legs, my whole body would be worn out. Now the reason you don't notice that is because you've been gradually, yeah, a pound every, you know, maybe two or three months. And that's the reason you can't tell it. But it would literally wear you out if you wore that f- extra 50 pounds or whatever whatever you are, you know, carrying it around. It would really wear you out at the end, end of the day. So the Bible says in uh, Third John 1 and verse uh, 2, it says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prosper. Now, why? Why would God, you know, I, I, that you be, prosper and be in health? I, can't, I think it's that important. It really is that important. If I don't have a healthy body, I'm not going to be able to serve you very well to, at all, God. Now, I want to make another connection here. All right, first of all, we've seen offer your body a living sacrifice. I want to make a connection here that I just dawned on me recently. In the Old Testament, those sacrifices had to be without blemish. You didn't offer some type of something sickly. They all, now, just look that word up, without blemish, and see how many times that comes up. The sacrifices had to be without blemish. Now, my point is this. A living sacrifice could have no blemish. That's my point. <laughs> uh, so, I come back to the, maybe this bargaining tool, We have in our toolbox called healing. Because the truth of the matter is, God has not called us to sit on our hands. You know, Cord talked about this. He has not called us to sit. He has called us to do something. That second verse in Romans, Romans 12 and verse 2, says that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So I think about that. I think, okay, God, you've got something you want me to do. And I am a living sacrifice. And I'm told to offer your body a living sacrifice. Okay, all right. Let's understand this. You've got blemishes that are keeping you from being productive. You've got blemishes that are keeping you from being a a living, productive sacrifice. How can I serve you, God, with a full heart if all my time, focus, and energy is focused on these blemishes? If you have blemishes that... You're going to have to, that, 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 a lot of your focus is on correcting the blemishes. How can I correct this sickness? How can, you know, endless hours on the Internet trying to figure out the solution. Endless hours that could be spent elsewhere, you know. You know, my point is God heals living sacrifices. And he don't accept, you know, and he accepts no blemishes, you know. It's, I, just, I just want you to, I'm just trying to put those two together. The next time you go to God in prayer, you're asking for healing, you know, you're sick, bring this before him, the two points that I've connected up today. Yeah, yeah bring that before him and say, God, this, this, is what you, this is in your word here. I can't do the things I need to do unless you intervene, unless you heal me in, your life, in, in my personal life. Now, you can call it a bargaining tool, and maybe you disagree with that. You can call it a pry bar. You can call it what you want, but I think it's worth noting. I think it's worth mentioning to God. I talked about healing people you know, outside the church. You know. I do believe one thing we need to keep in mind is that you know, we are, there is something... We serve a living God, and God expects us to, to prove what is that good and acceptable will of God. If, if a person is not concerned about that at all, you know, then I don't know what position that puts him in. You know, I'm not concerned about doing anything for you, Lord. I just want to be healed so I can have my fun and do whatever I want to do. You know, I, I don't know. I'm just, just thinking out loud again. I have an image of my father many years ago. <clears throat> we went to the Harley-Davidson place to buy a motorcycle. He, uh, he was going to, of course, co-sign and set the payment up for me. He asked me, you know, can you make the payment? It's an $800 motorcycle. And he said, can you make the payment? And I said, yeah, I can make the payment. But I have a, you know, it's an image of my father with a smile on his face. Helping me get what I wanted. I loved that. Well, that motorcycle was a piece of junk, by the way. But I loved that motorcycle. I really did. And uh, I went by there recently at the old Butterfield Harley-Davidson just to reminisce. And The chain link fence was still there. The building still looks the same. And I looked at that very spot where me and my father stood. And uh, he said, you know, I just want you to imagine that next time you, you go and you ask God for healing, that his arm is around you. And he says, yeah, let's do this. We can do this. There's a lot God can do when it comes to our blemishes. And there's a lot we can do when it comes to our blemishes. And together, you put those two together, it is a remedy for success.